Hey, 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 what is going on here? <laughs> Hey, what's up? Happy New Year, everybody. Almost. Happy uh, strange week in between Christmas and New Year's. It's always an odd week this week. But anyway, welcome to This Week in Mormons. Uh, I'm Jeff Openshaw, your host and founder. Happy to be here. Happy to be joined this week by none other than Kurt Frankham from Leading Saints. Hey, what's Jeff. Hi. Aren't, aren't you also chairman of the board or something? Like You oh, need yeah, a good I'm, legacy name, title. I'm every, I'm every title you could imagine. <laughs> I'm CEO. I'm chairman of the board. I am Legion. Wait a minute. It's not quite right. <laughs> anyway, th- this is kind of a funny week, right? When you Christmas yeah. is all fun, all the hype to it, and then you just kind of everything just kind of sags. I, mean, I got plenty week. to do, Jeff. I'll Until tell you that. But am I doing it? Yeah, yeah, not really. Not really. I went to a movie yesterday. What'd you see? I saw the new Spider-Man. Dude, like, am I right, dude? <sighs> I mean, okay, like, I maybe the hype was too we, hyped for me. I heard avoid, a lot of hype. I don't know but, if we should avoid spoiler talk or not. Um, I mean, it's only a week or so, week and a half old. That's true. I don't know. But I, I, my spoiler-free review is like, I kind of walked out fe- feeling like, I thought there'd be more, but I, maybe it was too hyped. I sort of knew what was coming. Maybe it was spoiled for me. That's the problem. But. You thought there'd be more in like the most packed to the gills <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I Spider-Man just didn't, movie ever. I can't articulate why it didn't strike that chord with me, like some okay. were saying. And others in the theater were like loving it. I mean, there was like... You know, it sounded like there was praise and clapping, and it sounded like there was praise. Praise, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Hands I mean, sky. people were geeking out, and I was like, okay, all right. Well, this it seems a little, a little forced, and uh, and and there's some moments where I'm like, why are we just having a conversation at this point? I don't know. I, I thought fine. that I did think that so much of it. Like, I know a lot of this has been successful because while it's still a Sony produced film. Because Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man, Marvel Studios doesn't, right? Sony, that's Sony does their thing, but it's been many years now that they've sort of they've licensed back Spidey to the Marvel people, which is why he was in like Captain America and then the Infinity War movies and his own films are tied to the MCU and all that. But I did think this it was a fascinating exercise in either Marvel, Marvel having the idea or Sony having the idea to sort of bring back the previous two Spider-Man attempts with their villains and stuff and kind of like say it's all the multiverse like yeah. this is the mul- it's good and, and that's i guess that's my criticism of this i feel like they started with the premise of like okay let's get these three on the same screen and now let's figure out a, a I, well, plot that that would work in and it seemed a little the plot seemed a little forced a little shallow i don't know it just it was fine Go I see mean, it. there's a multiverse and he has to save the villains. You know, he's like, wait, they're not going to die. This is this is all in the trailers, yeah, folks. I, but basically, he's just like, well, these people are all going to go die trying to fight me. Maybe I can redeem them. It's a story of redemption. <laughs> redemption is all over the place, Kurt. And if it was about Jesus, then I would I'd embrace that. But I am was, curious if there weren't so many like ho, ho, ho moments, how it would hold up just as like a regular film. Like, like if you have never seen the other Spider-Man movies from the previous yeah. iterations would like how much, how meaningful would it be in that right. sense too? I don't know. So but, I would say as far as like a, a, a fanboy moment, go the new ghostbusters did it for me than the Spider-Man. And I wanted to see that, but that was just lower on the list. I have. So I oh, never, it is phenomenal. I, I love it. it, but I, I was like it. in the eighties, I was like all in with ghostbusters. I love that, uh, that world, that universe. So, I used to watch Ghostbusters a lot as a kid, but I'm pretty sure the version we had recorded like was broadcast on on basic cable or the Disney Channel or something <laughs> like that. And so when I finally watched it on DVD, like in my 20s, 
I was like, well, there's a little more language in this than I remember. And then there's one sequence when Ray is basically intimate with a ghost that's like not in broadcasts of it at all. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, whoa, where'd this come from? This is in the movie? I had yeah. no idea. It's an interesting experience to watch a movie as an adult that you watched several times as a child, uh, especially maybe the more, you know, that are closer to, you know, uh, not necessarily for kids movies. But, um, and so sometimes as I sit there and maybe I watch a movie, like I took my six-year-old to Ghostbusters, this this new one. And uh, there's moments where I'm like, oh, is he going to pick up on that? I'm like, ah, oh, probably not. We're good. We're good. And that's the thing. Like, I don't want to, exp- I, I still haven't kind of, yeah. So, so you took your six-year-old. I haven't like gotten to the point yet where I figured out at what point, um, you know, as, as, a, as a father, right. as a Latter-day Saint who cares about the media I consume, all that stuff. Like, at what point do I willfully expose my kid to minor profanity? Yeah, right. Or and I'm just a horrible person that's done that already. But I don't know. It's uh, it, it was fun going to the theater with my kids and watching a, a childhood, you know, story with my childhood children. I've right. tried all weekend to watch Encanto with my kids because it's like already on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. It came on theaters like a month ago and now it's on Disney Plus, like for no extra charge. Like, okay, Disney, there you, you just gave up on that one. You haven't seen it yet then? No, I've heard great things. We've I've heard great things too. I've not successfully convinced yeah, them. They're very set in their ways. It's like, no, I want Toy Story four or 101 Dalmatians. Full stop. <laughs> that's the end of the discussion. It's true. I, it's amazing how they can watch the same movie like over and over again. And as an adult, I just can't do that. Right? Like it's. I love how much my kid, my uh, my oldest, is like. I like Toy Story, but not number three. He's always very clear. <laughs> not number three. I think number three is a little intense. You know, yeah, it's like a the, prison uh, break. Yes. Yeah. Number three is the best one. In oh, my absolutely. Opinion, I have a I dark soul. Yeah. So uh, was your Christmas all right? Christmas all was good? great. We got a puppy, Jeff. So Sorry. I don't know if I would recommend this this type of Christmas, but we, no. we did it. And I was, I've was i been telling my nine-year-old daughter for, you know, we, we got into a home in the last year. I put up a fence right. and I've been telling my, my nine-year-old like, hey, let's wait till the spring because I know there's a lot of outside time that you spend with a puppy. But uh the planets aligned and my wife forced the issue. And uh, so she won over and we got a puppy and causes me to be out in my backyard at three in the morning. And uh, I don't <laughs> like it, but I do it for the children. Jeff. Who doesn't want to be outside in Utah oh. in December at 3 a.m.? Especially this week. We've had some serious uh, yeah. snow. So no, no fun. Well, but, uh, at least you have a puppy. We got a puppy and every kid needs a puppy. I mean, I'm really, I'm willing to go through the sacrifice because every kid needs a puppy or every kid needs a dog, I should say. And, uh, won't be a puppy forever. I've, I've been told. And, uh, that's that. So how's, I how's your Christmas, Jeff? It was awesome. My sister and her husband came out from uh, Arizona, spent a week with us and we had a grand time just doing stuff, did some touristy thing. Went, we went to Mount Vernon on Christmas Eve, George Washington's mm-hmm. home and estate. Nothing says Christmas Eve like right. colonial America. <laughs> um, but it was nice. Like it's, I haven't been there for a while. I mean, it's not that far away or anything. It's like 25 minutes from my house. So Now, your sister has never co-hosted this. this no, my, sister, my sister never has. Long Have time you asked? Listening. No. Maybe, maybe as a joke. <laughs> as a joke. Are you yeah, just- your mom on here once. That was great. Oh, that was a blast. I love being the open shot clan. She told us all about, we're actually, uh, we just, we, we were kind of resharing some of our, our top 10 downloaded episodes of the year. And the one with my mom was one of those. Really? Well, I'm not I think, surprised. well, she, sp- she spent a while talking about how the church is in China. Yeah, she that was in interesting. China. I enjoyed She that. lived in China for a few years. There was also new stuff like normal, but I think the main cool feature was that we, we got a good inside look into how things function 
for a church that's kind of like off the books, so to speak, in China and how that actually functions and how it functions when you're an expat there. And it's very different. You know, ever since President Nelson announced the temple in Shanghai, which by all indications isn't going anywhere anytime soon, um, it's, it's good to get some insight into how that works. So that was cool. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, Christmas was great. Hooray. Huzzah! And we'll get through this week and get back to life. That, the first couple of weeks in January back are literally my favorite time of year. Back because to reality. That's right, Jeff. You know, we're all, we all get to go back and just get back in the flow of things, get stuff done, make the world a better place. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the PTO resets. Is that <laughs> Is how that, that works, Jeff? I don't have any, so. No. <laughs> oh, I'm self-employed. I, I do whatever I want. So that's right. Uh, mine does not reset. No, you can roll over a certain amount oh, nice. going to the next year. But yeah, I don't have a lot of PTO accrued right now. So I'm just kind of trying to hang on to it. If anybody wants to like buy me PTO. Is that ahead. a thing? Do I don't even know if my company allows that. Some companies do things like that. I'm not sure mine does, but I'm just going to throw it out there in the hope they do. So nice. Go, All right. Make sure you put the GoFundMe link in the in the show notes, Jeff. We'll get you some PTO. Well, hey, no, I just let's give that shout out to our patrons on Patreon, everybody. Hey. You guys I, are great. I'm one of them. Thank you for making for making this year possible. You guys help us keep the lights on here for in a world of massive inflation and increasing costs. You glad you brought that up, Jeff. Go. On. I'm sh- I'm sure you are. Like it wouldn't be an episode with Kurt if we didn't find a reason for you to be upset with Joe Biden. That's right. right. So that's right. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> But yeah, hey, thanks, patrons. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for helping out. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash This Week in Mormons. If you want to support Kurt, he's an actual registered nonprofit, so there's different means to do that. You can find out at leadingsaints.org. Big fat donate button there. We'll take it. Tax deductible people. Boom. For Kurt, not for me. Mine is not. I don't have that offering. Okay. So (laughs) if you really think how much you're donating to Twim is going to make a dent in your taxable income anyway, I don't. I don't think it will. So don't, especially not since they've raised the uh, child tax credit anyway. Even your tithing bill. I don't know if you've noticed this, but tithing, unless you make a lot of money, you basically don't pay enough in tithing as a deduction anymore in the United States uh, for it to make a difference, for it to exceed what you now get in the double child tax credit, which is kind of cool. But I have seen some other um, research that's shown that charitable giving has dropped since the tax laws changed a bit, which. I mean, it's like sad because we should just give to charity anyway, but it also shows how much being able to reduce one's tax burden could help encourage charitable giving. And that's not as strong as it used to be because uh, that that child did that deduction just does it all. You're eligible to run for president now, Jeff. So this is also true, but so are you. I look forward. I look forward to the campaign. Should we jump on the you, same ticket? No, I, th- I don't think that's going to work unless we do it old school ways, where the loser becomes vice president. Ooh, <laughs> that's how they used to do it. That's right. That's so, right. And then the then the vice president just like secretly hates the president for four years. And, not even secretly. Some of our history is just, is just fascinating. Yeah. It's amazing it took him that long to realize maybe it's not the best idea. Did that change after uh, what Kennedy and Johnson or what? No, no, no. It was, it was earlier than that. I don't. What I don't remember is if it came uh, along with the. Um, I guess Kennedy and Johnson. They they did hate each other, but they still chose each other. Right? It was a different kind of thing. Right. Yeah, a marriage of convenience, and we do that's see right. in politics. But that's not what we're talking about today, folks. We're talking about um, the slowest week in Latter Day Saint news of the year. What a way to go out on in twenty twelve. That's right. Twenty twelve. Twenty twenty one, folks. Um, 
Yeah, what happens, is, what happens is there's less stuff happening during this week, and there's also less stuff being published about what is happening because people are rightfully on vacation. Because it's and, that week, Jeff. And living their lives. So good for them. But we are, of course, committed to continue bringing you the greatest in, uh, in news. And uh, we got some stuff about missionaries, some, uh, some boat parades, some concerts, some studies on Gen Z. All kinds of fun things are happening this week, I guess. Um, I'm just going to start off with the new musical. <laughs> the lead story here. Let's, let's do Shut this. Up, Kurt. <laughs> Shut up. So um, this is by Caitlin Bancroft at the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, Kurt figured out a great hack for the Salt Lake Tribune. If you don't want to actually read <laughs> You should only release it to the patrons, Jeff. So No, no. I'm going to give this to the people. This is why they're here. If you go to the Salt Lake Tribune and it pops up with a, with a paywall thing, right? Which it often does. If you're some, some articles work on incognito windows if you're using Chrome, but a lot of them don't. We discovered that if you open up a new incognito window and quickly hit control A and then control C to copy all the text on the page, it'll do that before. I don't think you have to do it quickly, Jeff. I did it long when that pop-up was I, on. I was screen. trying to do it with the pop-up on the screen and it wouldn't work. So I don't know. But basically, it'll copy the content underneath the pop-up and then you can paste it into something. You do a little bit of cleanup, but you get that body text, people. You get it. <laughs> so I'm not saying like you should do this. I'm not encouraging fraud. I'm just telling you what's out there. So this is about a fella named David Nolan. The headline reads, LDS Church denied him financial help, so he wrote a musical about its wealth. And a man named David Logan, I think he lived in what, Cash Valley? No, uh, or is that where he was? Cash Valley, does it say? I don't remember. But there's a satirical show called The Good Shepherds, which is going to debut at the at Peary's Egyptian Theater in Ogden coming up here. Now, David Nolan professes that he hasn't left the faith. He had an experience about this, but he's like a faithful member of the church. But, and as he says, the value of the church still outweighs the negative, all right? No matter what. He's just saying, let's have a conversation about the value of human life versus the value of billions in stocks just sitting there. So his main issue was, um, this got started three years ago when, yeah, he's a cash value resident. He faced a crisis. His business had recently failed. His savings were wiped out after insurance wouldn't cover a rotting exterior wall in his home, and he paid nearly $20,000 to replace it. Home repairs can be costly, but I feel like twenty grand to replace a wall on the outside, what is, what, I mean, I, I know wood prices have gone up a lot over the past little while, but um, I don't know. Maybe people think I sound stupid, but I look at that, I'm like, I, I, I feel like that could be less than $10,000 yeah, job. You want to get a few quotes on that one. But maybe he has a very large McMansion. Maybe it's a very difficult wall to replace. I don't know. Either way, he had to spend the insurance when it cover it um, because what it turns out, he was actually standing with his hose in his attic, just pouring water into the, the cavity of the wall just for days on end until it rotted out. And so that's why they wouldn't cover it, you know, because it was his fault. And uh, so he went to his bishop uh, seeing if he could get some assistance basically to pay his mortgage. And I love it. it says, given his longtime devotion, inclu including a two-year proselytizing mission and, quote, significant service positions in his ward, he thought he would find support there. Now, I'm all for people finding support, but I don't believe there should be some kind of cutoff where you're saying, um, well, I've been devoted for a very long time. I went on a mission. I've been in prominent positions of leadership. I am, am more worthy of assistance because of this than somebody else. I mean, Kurt, you've been a bishop. I don't know if that exactly tracks with, uh, like, I don't think you have a rubric or anything when you're giving out, out assistance and you say, well, say, hold on a second. 
Have right. you at least been at the ward mission mission leader level in terms of leadership? <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't on my rubric. I mean, I would say every bishop has a rubric, but it's they develop it on their own, right? Yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's not given to you from any official, uh, you know, point of contact. So, so anyway, the bishop reviewed his finances and offered and authorized him to get forty dollars worth of food. I don't think he wasn't even really asking for food. They gave him a food order for forty bucks instead of like helping out in any other way. So uh, he scraped by, made it happen. And then, of course, the, we had the $100, $100 billion stockpile stuff that came out. I guess we're probably coming up on two years of that, I guess, huh? Uh, you know, the Rainy Day account. So he wrote a musical, a, a fun hippity-hoppity satirical musical <laughs> that pokes fun at the church's massive largesse. Kurt, how does this so, make you feel? A few things come to mind. First off, uh, I bet there's an entirely different story from the bishop side of things, but he hasn't finished his musical yet. But I'm just so, when, when does a situation like this jump in their cognitive mind from, well, this is a tough situation to, I am going to write a musical about this. <laughs> that seems like a huge jump and one that I I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> well, the musical style is a mix of hip hop, pop, and rock songs. I mean, this is this is almost like what Alex Boyer was trying to do with the blatant Hamilton style knockoff of the life of Joseph Smith, which never went anywhere. Which makes me very sad. I want, I want that. I, I hope need it, that. It goes somewhere. I'd like to see that, but. Uh... So uh, this is what no one's doing. If I were in Utah, now one thing he does stress, he says this is like fun satire. It's also cleaner, like it's not this ribald comedy of the Book of Mormon musical. And he's stressing this, saying like, yeah, you could like you can bring your family to this if you have good humor about it, and it is appropriate in that sense. And you it might features. Deem it... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say you might deem it inappropriate just based on the objectives, perhaps, or any sort of tacit shaming of the church. But content-wise, it's all right. It's all it's, right. It, it's no worse than Kurt taking his six-year-old to a PG-13 movie. Anyway, <laughs> Feature such songs like Let's Buy Florida and Look Down on Me. I don't <laughs> see how this is at all going to help his case, and nor I don't even know how you would market something like this. But bless your heart and your artistic intuition. Uh, maybe this will just be next on Broadway. Well, I mean, it's playing in Ogden. I mean, if it, you'd expect this to be playing at like, you know, the Rocky Anderson Memorial Theater in Salt Lake or something, right? <laughs> no. But not, no, not no. there. So I, uh, I'll probably sit this one out, though. So. Twimsters, if any of you go to this, please let me know. I would love to know more about this. I should interview him. <gasps> I won't put a paywall up. <laughs> Good. Do it, Jeff. We'd love to hear it. Good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Kurt, I did my piece. What's All your, right, what we got top, here? Um, business here. <laughs> let's uh, let's maybe uh, talk about one that uh, is quite sad that we hear about too often. A missionary in yeah. the uh, from DR Congo passed away in uh, the Court Ivory. How do you say that mission? Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire. Okay. Cote d'Ivoire. A full time missionary for the church um, has passed away. Elder. I'm not going to get this right, but I'll try. Uh, Tishama Anaklet Tishami, Tishama, 24 from Laputa Dem- Democratic Republic of uh, Congo, <laughs> passed away unexpl- unexpectedly. Sorry, Jeffy. Sorry. Hey, you're the one that asked me to do this. But, but the, the city is called Luputa. And Luputa. The, way you, hey. the way you said it sounded like some major Spanish profanity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. Hey, for the record, Jeff invited me on here. Okay. 
So, uh, but he shortly after awaking in the morning, he was found unresponsive by his companion and he was taken to the hospital where he passed away. His cause of death remains unknown at this time, but preliminary reports suggest it is the result of an un- undiagnosed medical condition. So, Jeez. Uh, out of nowhere too, 24 years old. I don't Shouldn't know about you, them. but when I had those missionaries on my mission who were like the older guys, you know, the ones who were in 24 their like seemed ancient, right? Yeah, it seemed ancient, but they were always rock stars too. Because yeah. in, in my experience, all of them were guys who were either converts to the church or guys who were less active for a stretch and like got their stuff together and came around. And so they, they had lived, they had like lived like for real and right. repented for real and like understood yeah. things. And I was, I, I just, I loved learning from them. Um, and I obviously don't know if this, uh, this elder was in that same boat or not, but it's also sad when you don't have all the answers, right? When this just yeah. happens, like you yeah, just hopefully and you- they figure out more about that, but uh, man, tragic. Yeah. Um, well, now I feel like I can't joke. I feel very bad for <laughs> laughing at the whole Luputa thing. I just, I'm, I just heard Kurt say, <laughs> How do you say it, like, I'm, I'm veering very hard into strong U sounds. Luputa. 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 All I don't right. know. Just, I don't know. <laughs> you not saying it the way you said it. Right. Um, so some other missionary news out of Latvia. Um, there's some missionaries in Latvia who on December 25th posted a video on, or their parents did on Facebook or somebody like that. Um, they just made a video for their family for Christmas. So in fairness, they made a video for their family for Christmas. Okay, we've covered a lot of very interesting Facebook and social media videos made by missionaries, especially during the pandemic. Don't forget the Star Wars one. They reenact it like the closing sequence of Rogue One inside a stake center. And somehow it has to do with scriptures. It works. This appears just strictly for familial amusement. I don't think there's like another gospel angle here. It's not to win over converts, but it's just uh, them just acting like 20 year old boys uh, lip syncing to all kinds of like Christmas riffs on other classics. And I mean, I'd be amused if my kids sent this to me, I think. I don't know how I feel about this, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> about this, the, the video in general or what? Just the whole video in general. I mean. Hey, it's, it's 18 year olds th- being 18, you know, bless their hearts. I mean, good for them. I'm, I'm sure. Glad they're passing time, maybe during a slow Spot. I mean, I think in Latvia, I don't know how, uh, you know, how uh, awesome the work is there or, you know, how much uh, progress you can, you can make with a lot of people. And so, uh, yeah, grab a camera and do it. And, and I would hope, Jeff, that the, the opening sequence of this podcast episodes features, features uh, one of these songs, so at least for 10 seconds or so. Oh, I mean, it already did. Everyone heard it, didn't you? That's hear right. Everyone? I mean, the church church is not huge in Latvia by any means. I mean, there's like two branches in Riga, the capital, um, maybe a few more in that. Yeah, there's, you know, four branches in in the Riga district. It's not, you know, it's not a lot, but the church is only, I I think we probably have people there. I don't know all the history, perhaps before Cold War times and this and that, but a lot of Eastern Europe, the church doesn't have a lengthy history. Did did this uh, missionary headbanging video uh, just land in social media somewhere and and away it went a little uh, around. I don't I wouldn't say it's exa- I just kind of I actually do not remember how I happened upon this at all. I have no idea how I found this. 
Now that you mention it, I have no idea where well, I. Now you're sharing it with the world, Jeff. So, because it only has you. like like it's shared by some people. It's got like four shares, one of which is ours. Um, but good on them, good on them. I don't know why LDS Living hasn't picked up on this. Come on, <laughs> LDS Living. So, anyways, good nice. good for you, missionaries. Happy Merry Christmas! Yay! In other news related to light the world and Christmas time. Uh, Light the World themed boat wins best music award in the 2021 Newport Beach Boat Parade. And so in Newport Beach, they have this great parade on boats, right? And uh, I don't know, Jeff, you probably have more background on this this tradition, but can any any group, and is it just religious groups or you know, churches that, that participate in this in this parade, or how does it work? No, no, the, the parade can be from all all sorts of individuals and groups. Think of it like a like a parade on the asphalt, like in your town. Right. Okay. So it's just a mix it, of it community be... groups and people. And, uh, yeah. and so they, uh, the Newport beach, California Christmas boat, yeah, the best music award. Uh, the boat was sponsored by members of the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints who volunteered a 60 foot yacht and brought it's together nice to have that at the yeah. ready. I appreciate yeah. that about, yeah. I think every stake has, you know, some stakes have like, you know, state well, property. Well, when you're from Newport beach, but when you're from Newport Beach, Kurt, of course you can, because they built the temple. As we know, longtime listeners know, they built the temple. That is right. It is their temple for a reason in Newport Beach, because they built it with like, their yacht Like money. old school, like members came together and poured cement. And- you should have been there. There were <laughs> there were thousands of people with their pottery and fine china, um, anecdotally and not historically, making the plaster for the temple. Love uh, it. What I'm referencing there, folks, is that the actual data on everyone you know, grounding up their fine china for the Kirtland Temple is not actually supported by historic uh, information. Anyway, sorry to burst your bubble, folks. Oh, boy. uh, If that one comes up in your lesson, which it did earlier this year, you just kind of say, okay. It's not in the manual. This boat, Jeff, the scene scene depicted depicted an angel declaring the glad news of Jesus' birth as shepherds bowed in awe. Joseph invited all to come see while Mary cradled the baby Jesus. A banner displayed on the side of the boat stated, wise men still seek him, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it so, won an award. Boom. Best music. I, there's got to be a clip to the music, but there's not. And they won best music last time too. Yeah. What is, I mean, what is the music? It goes uncontested every year, it seems. Because <laughs> it doesn't mention much more about it. Does it say song here? The yacht has a sweet sound system, I guess. So it was just songs that proclaimed the birth of Jesus Christ. Invited listeners to come, let us adore him. Comments like "Happy Birthday, Jesus, God bless you," and "There's Jesus" were frequently heard from the crowd. I mean, that's cool. People said there was a reverent response. I'm glad they're doing this. Newport Beach boat parades a lot of fun, actually, because it's not just parades on their own. It's floats. People also decorate their boats with Christmas lights. It's a whole fun thing. It's a good time. Nice. So good for them. All right, folks. Where are we going, Jeff? We're going to the year in review, which we've kind of back. hit on. Church News does year in review. See photos and read highlights from 2021. The uh, lead image here is of President Nelson getting a vaccine, which probably is the story of the year in general, and also one of the earlier stories of the year, because he did that as far back in uh, the, like the third week of January of this year. So a lot of great highlights. This is literally just Church News compiling stuff, so you can click on a bunch of other things. What, I mean, did they link to their own story? It says click on a look back. At church news highlights, photos. What am I doing here? Anyways, lots of things. You can read all about all the highlights. You know, primary general presidency, Ronald A. Rasband, 
participates in the inauguration of Spencer Cox. Um, new leaders and new missions. Elder silver Gunk, medalist, Elder, Jeff. Yes, we've got the silver medalist. Kayla Skinner. That was a cool story because she was on, almost on her way home from the Olympics yeah. and I called her back up and then she won. Which Another great. future guest of, of This Week in Mormons, right? I don't know, man. When, I, when we interviewed uh, Noelle Pike Space earlier this year. Oh, yeah. Which was earlier this year. Former Olympian, you might remember her. Yes. Mm -hmm. Skeleton, you know, back in, uh, was it Sochi where she competed, I think? I think so. Lovely lady. Shockingly, one of our poorest performing uh, like interview podcasts in terms of downloads. I don't know if something went wrong, but I think people, I don't know. I'm skittish on Olympia. All right. Now, well, everybody. this is how, but you, Michaela, how we learn. The, the door is open. I would love to to hear from you, as would our people. Anyways, President Elson gets a vaccine. We dedicated the Winnipeg Manitoba Temple, which if you remember was significant because it was the first temple dedicated since the pandemic began, supplanting other temples that would have been dedicated. We got that one. Then we also did... Uh, uh, Pocatello, right? And um, finally, the Rio de Janeiro temple is going to come back. We also got to see those great videos about councils, that little three-part series they released, if you remember any of that, about how they counseled together. I like the big round table they have that also has a pentagon of monitors that they can read. You got five screens, just any which way you look, you can get good information. Uh, and one <laughs> yeah. thing I'm glad to be reminded of, remember uh, earlier in January of this year when they did the... Um, that cool uh, primary activity. Yes. On, you know, the, the video. And yes, it's like it more, so more well of that. Joy D. Jones is awesome. And I'm excited for the new primary presidency, but Sister Jones, President Jones, I think had such an incredible impact on that organization. And that was terrific. We'd spent nearly a year struggling to find ways to engage our primary aged kids. And this was a great thing. My kids loved it. Um, I wish that, I hope they will do more of them. I know we're yeah. kind of, by the looks of that set, it should be like a weekly program. Like, yeah. And I, I imagine they look at it like, well, we're kind of back in church more now and maybe it's not as necessary, but I think something like this would be great. Oh, yeah. One, If only once a year, but maybe twice a year even just to give the kids something exciting to look forward to and see other kids from around the world. I thought that was a terrific, terrific effort. Um, we also, of course, had the conference center was sort of had people in it for conference, mostly those who needed to be there. A little more, more echoey. <laughs> just a little bit more echoey. <laughs> Lots of things happen. You can find a long form list of all of this as well uh, over at the Church News where it goes by month, really just just getting into pretty much every detail of everything that has happened. You yeah. remember like Elder Holland spoke from St. George, Utah. Uh, President Oaks spoke in that meeting in Charlottesville. Um, a lot of cool things happened this year. Any other standouts to you this year, Curtis? We're winding up 2021. Anything? Yeah, you know, I noticed uh, when I was perusing through the the weekly church news uh, where they featured some of these stories. They had a whole um, section about all the handbook updates, mm. which was a big part of, of this year. Lots of dynamic updates to the handbook that I think uh, sets us on a, on a good path. And I think, I don't know if we'll see obviously to that, to that extent, but you know, subtle up, uh, updates here and there that we'll see on our app. And it's nice that it's just all on the app and that, uh, you know, we don't have to wait for a reprint of the of the actual handbook or whatever, and everybody can see it. And so, I think that was uh, pretty notable. That another, I think, um, marker in President Nelson's, uh, you know, role as president of the church. So, oh, one that I I recall as well, a little bit better and and not as good, but the whole announcement earlier in the year that they were going to drastically renovate not just the Salt Lake Temple but the Manti Temple yep. and remove all the historic murals and redo the floor plan. There was a lot of outcry about that. 
Um, and at first they said, what, I think we're going to try to preserve the murals and put them in the church history library or something like that mm -hmm. and take them out. And then eventually they just did a 180 and said, okay, we're just going to keep the Manti temple layout as it is and just make it. So there's rooms with, there's, there's still no live endowment, but, yeah. uh, we're going to do that. And then we'll just build a second temple up the road in Ephraim to handle the, uh, the demand, which I thought was great. I, I, I've said this before. I sit among the few who are frustrated that the church never even said something like, well, the saints were really concerned about this more than we even expected. So we took it to the Lord. And it's just, it's always like they're, they we're so afraid to even open the door that any type of agitation could, could result in the church taking action. Like, nope, this is just, this was the plan all along, folks. This is By the way, I'm glad it was, it was, that was an interesting saga in the spring to kind of see this develop week after week. Um, and, I, and I'm convinced this would not, there would be no temple in Ephraim. I mean, I'm not, as you know, the Lord, but. <laughs> and there's our title of the episode, folks. There you go. <laughs> but, but like, I have to think the Ephraim temple would not be a thing if back when they announced the initial changes, if it was met with kind of a collective, like, all right, you know, if there had not been such mobilization of people yeah. who were. Because didn't that announcement come in a very, like just a random Friday or something? Yeah, it was yeah, it was a yeah. it was a press release like that. And then people like were really organized about their concerns about it, and I think that at least caught the ear of Salt Lake. If they hadn't, I they'd probably just be going forward. There would be no new temple in Ephraim that would be announced. That was also yeah, it was just announced in a press release. One of the few non-conference temple announcements in recent history. Interesting to see how these things develop. You know. Yeah. Oh, yep. and the first Deseret Industries outside the Western U.S., located in Houston, was dedicated. So, anyways, a great year. We're about caught up to Chick-fil-A, aren't we, with those locations? Oh, booyah. Booyah. I love the chick. <laughs> I do. More All right, where, where are we going here? Uh, uh, let's see. The, the Tap Cats, uh, Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, records 2022 Christmas concert. So uh, the Tabernacle Choir, um, the choir joined by the orchestra at Temple Square. Uh, this part of Christmas for a lot of people. So having this is part of Christmas for a lot of people. So having the choir and orchestra performing in the PBS in the PBS special is moving us back to normal, said choir president Michael O. Levitt. Um, so it seems like they're recording these things just so they probably have some obligations with PBS. Uh, you know, PBS expects their their yearly uh, Christmas uh, concert, and uh, so they got to be ready for it, even though there wasn't a a traditional open yeah. to the public Christmas concert, right? I'm trying to think about the history of it here. I mean, we don't, um, I know they've showed these on PBS and I've seen in years past after they do their usual open to the public Christmas concert, that's usually available on DVD or broadcast later on. Yeah. But after the fact, I'm trying to remember if they have a, tr they said this is back to normal, but I don't remember them traditionally recording the next year's Christmas concert this far in advance for a broadcast. Yeah, but, so but I think typically they'll record like, so if it was a normal year, they would, record this 2021's Christmas concert and then it would show in 2022 on PBS. But this is where they're actually recording next week's, which or next week's next year's yeah. concert that'll possibly be shown on PBS in 2023. So I don't know. I'm wondering, is that the case or is this literally like they're recording what's going to be broadcast in 2022, which is similar to 2021. I guess they just did, they did some 2021 stuff and now they're just. Cause, I mean, cause last year they didn't, have the Christmas concert at all, right? Right. So probably what happened is that they recorded this year's and made it public this year, and now they're recording next year's, which they'll make it public next year, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the con though this concert that will air in 2022 is being recorded 
Audiences may enjoy the show produced for broadcast this year. The 2021 concert is virtual, a unique two-hour retrospective television titled 20 Years of the Tabernacle Choir. So what they've recorded is what they're going to be playing next year on PBS. So it makes me wonder if they'll have an additional Christmas concert next year that they'll then record for 2023. One would hope. I mean, hopefully they get back in the swing of things and there's actually a normal Christmas concert with people and clapping and such. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Got this Omicron stuff, though. I don't know what's going to go on here. Hey, so... uh, Good old uh, The Church News has two charts that show us temple reopening progress. Another big story in 2021 was temples reopening after all of them shut down at the beginning of COVID. We've kind of inched, crawled our way back into it. And now we're at the stage when all of them are open in some capacity. Um, so basically, this can simply be explained by a, by a pie chart. But as a quick reminder, the different phases of temple stuff. So you've got... Um, Phase phase four, I believe, is just totally open like normal. I don't know if anything. There's very few in phase four, I think. Right? Are there any in phase four anymore? Or do they pull back? Because now there's also phase two B, which I need to I need to read reminder of that. So, but phase three, at the start of the year, we had two temples in phase three, which provided ordinances for living individuals and proxy ordinances for ancestors, all in a restricted manner that includes attendance limitations. We had 136 temples in phase two, which offered all living ordinances, no proxy work, 21 in phase one, which only offered living ceilings for husbands and wives, and nine temples and districts of under-renovation temples that were closed or not assigned a phased status. So that both means like DC that was just closed and some that were just were not coming back online yet. Uh, so this went throughout the year. And as of through December 31st, now we have 164 temples in phase three offering all living and proxy temple ordinances, four temples in phase 2B, which offer all living ordinances and proxy baptisms. That's the main, it's, that's why it's 2B, you have to do baptisms as well. And then two temples in phase one offering living ceilings for husbands and wives. Uh, the t- six temples still outside phase three status at the end of 2021. Barranquilla, Colombia, Cebu, Philippines, Medford, Oregon, which is close for maintenance, San Jose, Costa Rica, Seoul, Korea, Suva, Fiji, and phase one. So we've had a very busy year getting temples back into, uh, you know, operating status. And I think you, you still need to set an appointment for those, right? Or is it yeah, a little more? Yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's not. A, it's not. A, it's, I think I think they've scrapped. Maybe they've scrapped phase four altogether. I'm not seeing much about it. Yeah. That, the, phase four is the idea that it would be totally normal operations of free for all show up like it used to be. And I think we're just flat out not doing that yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. There you have it. And uh, where are we going next? Uh, we got uh, photos of Elder Gong. We, <laughs> we got uh, tweets. We got uh, Desert Book and their new series. It's uh, has some controversy. It all gets uh, much more, much headier at this point in the show. <laughs> this all stuff Kurt's avoiding. That's right. As, uh, maybe you've picked up on, on that as, uh, week to week, especially when, when I'm co-hosting here. But how about uh, how religious are generation Gen Z Mormons in the U.S.? The results are mixed. And this is an article uh, in on religiousnews.com and by Jana Reese. And she looks at some data about... Uh, Generation Gen Z, I want to say Generation Z, and this is uh, Jeff. You looked up ninety-seven. Those born from ninety-seven to two thousand ten. I think it's a bit bigger. I think wasn't it bigger than that? But we've these are like our ninety-seven to twenty twelve is Gen Z. Okay, twenty twelve. So these are our our, uh, teenagers and uh, young adults, generally speaking. Yeah, our kids are Generation Alpha. Oh, really? 
who chooses these names? The people. People, well, who, the Illuminati, or all the uh, or the <laughs> swamp. The names for the, I think the swamp viruses and yes. hurricanes. Yeah, it's some yeah, committee. The, yeah, the people. The people. Mm-hmm. So, what stuck out to you? You were looking through some of these numbers, Jeff. Uh, but Latter Day Saints. That's a more, Mormons report the highest participation rate in what the study called youth group activities at forty three percent, and the Protestants are the next one behind us at thirty six percent. So. Bless you, youth leaders, for making that happen. And to be clear, this is over the course of the year, 10,000 young people were surveyed, including a total of 470 who self-identified as Latter-day Saints. And of that group, 134 also received an additional set of questions and views. And so I think, what Kurt, what you're going at here is you've got, um, I think the first three are from everybody. And then, right, 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 right. And then the next three are, this, yeah, it's the smaller subsample of the 134 gets even smaller in terms of what they think for the follow-up questions. So some of those are interesting because it says they their belief in God is about average compared to others and respondents. Just, yeah. Uh, and then here's the really the big one that sticks out. Again, very small sample, but it says Mormons rank highest of all faith groups in saying they personally have been harmed by religion, faith, or a religious leader. There's a lot to take with that. We don't know what harmed means. You know, there's a lot of things we haven't defined in that, but they're up top 59% above atheists even, which is interesting. Um, and we don't exactly, yeah, we don't know exactly what that means though. could mean a lot of different things. And even Jana Reese points this out. Like that, I take that with a grain of salt. I'm not exactly sure what it could all mean in terms of what harm means and how we define these things and, and how small that sample could be. But, but that said, it's still worth listening to people. It's like when we had Liz Brown McDonald on early, earlier this year, she did what was very qualitative anecdotal research about the role of um, religious rigidity in kids staying active in the church or not, and how that how that functions if they decide to leave the church. Also a very small sample size, but that doesn't mean it isn't worth discussing because it's not insightful regardless, right? So yeah, still things we could learn from this. Got to monitor the data, see what we can learn from it, right? That's the name of the game. What else um, you got, Jeff? I'll go into one. Kurt doesn't want to touch with a 5,000-foot pull. So Deseret, this is a medium piece called Deseret Book Attempts to Serve God and Bigotry, uh, just published today. Interesting piece by James C. Jones. James C. Jones is a, a prominent uh, influencer. And he writes this whole piece on Medium about his experience uh, being approached by Deseret Book. Deseret Book is doing kind of a thing similar to Masterclass, if you've seen that. They have a, pro- a platform called Seek. Whereas he says that they have folks provide gospel-centered instruction on what hap- appears to be more practical issues, things like how to get more of a scripture study, how to be a single member of the church. And like, you know, you you subscribe to this, you click on it, and there's an expert walks you through these things and teaches you these things. It's kind of a module of sorts. And Kurt, you've kind of dabbled in things like this with, with the way you do a lot of your, uh, your virtual summits, for example. So he has a podcast book called Beyond the Block, and Deseret Book approached him to develop an entire module about abandoning attitudes and actions of prejudice, which is a good thing that we've been reckoning with quite a bit as Latter-day Saints for the past more than a year and a half, right? Um, which we should be, in, we've been reckoning with it for a long time, but we know things have been uh, a bit a bit hotter on that front for the past little while. But earlier this month, basically, he received an email saying that they weren't going to be publishing his content for at least six months. He publishes all the emails so you can see them. But 
basically the reason they weren't going to do it is because of a Facebook post he made in August. If you remember, August was when Elder Holland spoke at BYU and gave the remarks that many people took offense to, the whole, you know, muskets protecting the church. And and I will I will say this, this is not, to be clear, this is not like coming after church leaders, but I took issue with the fact that the only group Elder Holland singled out as one as one potentially of detriment to the church was sort of the LGBTQ community. Like there wasn't any going out of the way to come after, to also mention others who were also a concern. And so it made it seem like you were singling out this one group and you're not bothering to talk about the other people who are also a, a threat, quote unquote, to the church. So he wrote, uh, his piece about it was pretty, I mean, his exact words were, if it loads up, he, I mean, his first thing he said was to condemn the expression of someone's immutable identity in the name of Christ is satanic. So, I mean, that's a, that's yeah, a strong a way to strong. lead out. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the last words he said is we can believe is that we can believe he'll get us. He talks about Christ. Christ will get us past some homophobic, overwhelmingly white ecclesiastical leaders born in the Jim Crow era. Deseret News took issue with this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, as you might understand, the back and forth they have is interesting because I can understand, uh, James perspective on a lot of this and he's being like very academic and picking apart how he's doing this. Cause he says, and I agree with this part of it. He says, Deseret news was all about the tone. Like they're just saying, we can't like do business with someone who has this sort of tone. That's, and you get it. You're working in lots of different businesses. That's just too hot. It's too hot and you can't touch it anymore. And he's arguing back saying, well, look, you're trying to ignore the tone. You're ignore- sorry. I mean, you're focusing on the tone, but you're ignoring the content of what I am saying. Are you really saying like what I'm trying to do does not represent Deseret books values? Because I think it does. You're taking issue with the tone of a couple of remarks. You can you can see justifications for arguments on all sides in a situation like this. Absolutely, I don't think there's any way to say one person who's absolutely right, uh, one person isn't. But the one thing I will say, so I, I don't even necessarily agree with this tone, and I understand Desiree Book's reasoning for being concerned about that. But but I do like that he says. Um, he says, "Quote putting people's comforts because but Desert Booth kind of but kind of said, like you know this we don't want to like alienate our base we don't want to make our 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 customers uncomfortable but he's like but putting people's comforts or really anything over people's humanity is idolatry and not the church nor Desert Book will ever succeed in fulfilling their mission until they destroy the golden calf of heteronormative white supremacy." Those are some some big words there. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, you know he still says he's he's an active member of the church he sustains the brethren, but. I think I get part of his point there where he's saying like, look, you can't serve both Desiree book. Like you, you can't be so concerned about protecting the brethren from anything that you don't engage on bigger issues that are also more important at the same time. If you come out publicly and use language, that's too caustic. Even if it's true, even if absolutely you could pick it apart and say, look, the language is just descriptive. You're not actually insulting anyone. But this is—it's about optics, right? Any brand has to be conscious of of with whom they ally themselves. I totally understand that, you know. I mean, that's why Kurt is always very careful if he even comes on this show, because he doesn't know what it's going to do to his base. Um, oh man, truer words were never spoken. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Do you, have, do you have a chance to read this or give it any thought? I—I've I, read some of it for sure, and I guess it's just one of those things. Like at the end of the day, like this with a lot of topics related to the churches, it's just messy and. I'm not surprised that Desert Book did this. Is it is it shocking? Is it offensive? No, I mean, like you said, this is just there's a brand here. Uh, there's um, optics that have to be taken into consideration, and I and this is really difficult to do. 
as you're sort of vetting people to stand on your platform stage and and share their perspective i mean but we both do it right there's there's individuals that will never make it onto leading saints there's probably individuals that'll make never make it onto this week in mormons and that's just the way it is we welcome because- all john dylan is welcome to come on anytime and all i will do is make fun of how full of himself he is but yes you know and so there was probably some additional steps where maybe desert book is learning from this the some additional steps they could have taken to make sure that uh who they're inviting onto that stage is someone that that they can trust and know that you know that'll play ball you know so i do think what's interesting though is they specifically invited him because of what he's done and he made it he as he says he's negotiated he's like i'm only gonna do this if you let me do it my way if and and by this i don't mean what he says about elder holland but Mm -hmm. produce this module the way he does it in his tone not get washed out by fitting into like the deseret news whatever he sees the sanitized Mm -hmm. deseret news version of things and they were like that's totally cool so good on deseret news for being comfy with that i do have to wonder if Desert news could have just ignored this right like this happened all the way back in august this he has a following. Sure, he mm-hmm. does. But I also wonder, the whole point of this was to get voices that others might not always hear to them. And if we silence those voices, even if they do say things that in, in a way perhaps that they shouldn't, which is kind of church 101. You find a lot of people have gotten in hot water with the church. It's not about the message. It's about the deliverance of the message, right? right. That's very much what's happened a lot in recent years. Um but it's a shame because now people aren't going to receive that content. And we need that content. We need people who have lived these experiences to be the ones to tell us about it. We do not need it to come, continually come from the same voices in the same tone. Like we, do, we need that as church yeah. members. We absolutely do. And it's a shame that this won't come through now because of this. And sure, there might have been a minority that might have said like, well, this guy really challenged my views. I should look him up. And then you go, wait a second. He said some mean things about Elder Holland. I can't take anything I just learned seriously. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that would happen right. either, but you understand it too. Like you said. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, that, I mean, sure. There, there's always some people that won't hear, uh, his message perspective, but this is why, I mean, speak, you know, me, myself, who runs a third party organization, yeah. you know, focus on a specific topic. I completely understand why the church doesn't do what I do, uh, with leading saints. Uh, it's for, for many reasons, but because a third party has put this information out there. It's still getting to the audience that it, that I hope it gets to in a way that doesn't involve desert book or the church or desert news or anything like that. And so I think there's ways around it, but 7 million downloads, buddy, it is getting to right. We just, we just passed 7 million. So, uh, so I think it is possible, but I, to me, I just don't, I'm not surprised that desert book took this or yeah, desert book took this step. And I don't, I think he, he, he was probably a bit naive thinking that there they're going to let him do it his way. Like, no, if you want to do it your way, go do it your way and, and don't connect to, uh, you know, the desert book. And that's fine. And a lot of people do that. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's messy. And I don't think there's necessarily a, a villain in any of this, even though he's sort of, I don't know that there's Kurt, there is a villain and her name is Sherry do <laughs> as you know, <laughs> no, of course not. Sherry don't. <laughs> anyway, yeah, interesting story though. We'll link to his yep. main piece on Medium, but he links to his Facebook posts. He links to all of his original emails. Um, worth a read. I think like a lot of things, it's it's good food for thought for all of us to just like just read through his thoughts and his experience yeah. and see what we can learn from it. I guess I guess my overall thought here is that I don't his reaction to this and putting it online. Like I don't think it's helping in general. Of it, it's just firing up the wrong side of of the the disunity 
of this particular topic, right? Like it gives one more, gives more target to the church and whatnot, where he could have just said, Hey, I get it. Bygones be bygones. We'll see you later. And I'm, I'll go do this on, uh, you know, can I have the footage? How can I get the footage or, you know, what, or maybe I'll go record this on my own, but it's not helping to be like, look at what the church has done to me. I don't know. It's just, yeah, no, I'm, silly. I'm, I mean, I'm mostly with you there just to play devil's advocate though. That's here. If if people don't do that, how do we ever affect change? If people don't go out of their way to highlight these things, then doesn't everything just get swept under the rug into perpetuity? I think, generally speaking, this form of um, protest, you could say, or pushback, is effective in some com- some contexts, like politics and government. But in the context of a private religious organization that believes in prophets, seers, and revelators, I don't think it's it's helping. Well, okay. So I listened to one of your recent podcasts, though. This is, you, you talked about how, um, like, we might, this, this is more at the ward level, but, like, we need to work through conflict. Yes. You, you seem to actually support that notion. Yes. This is a little bit different from that, but how do you think this is different? This is a different, diff, this is more like um, public mudslinging, I guess, than, right. like, sitting down and working through it. But speak to that for a second, Kirk. I thought yeah. that was a really interesting segment where you, you're like, because your podcast was essentially about how to work through conflict within a ward. That was the basic mm-hmm. idea that you guys were talking about. And because some might say, no, I don't want to touch this. I don't want to touch this. I want to keep the peace, more or less. But you were arguing like, no, you kind of got, you have to get into it. You don't want to get into it just for the sake of being like, haha, it's time to get real, you know. But, right. But just, I thought that yeah. was worth, it was an interesting area. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So as far as this type of conflict, like, I think we're there's two different levels that you're, they're, you're trying to get this settled on the, the level of like the church in general as this multi organization, you know, and they're talking about the for profit part of of the church, the desert new or desert book and whatnot. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's some conflict there, but not in the necessarily the the you know the public square where that needs to get figured out. As far as like him and going him going to his bishop saying, "I'm really struggling with this." Then the bishop would say, "Let's talk about it. Like, wh- what are you, what are you feeling? You know, what, what's going on, and how do you, you know, let's point out the hurt there." But like going to social media to do like any time you involve social media, it would be just as effective as a ward having conflict. And so five people go to social media hoping that that'll fix the conflict. The social media, the the public nature of it, is not going to fix the conflict. It's got to be. The hardest thing with with the social media is. You're not, yeah, you're not having a good back and forth that way. Exactly. You're having one person posting something and then mudslinging in the comments. It was never designed for you conflict resolution. <laughs> it was actually designed for conflict creation, people. And that, that, <laughs> Bingo. So you, so you stay right. there. And right. And so, yeah. and he's only feeding the, that monster by going to social media platforms like Medium or like Facebook or whatever and trying to say, hey, look at this. This is a problem. I can't believe it. Well, it is a problem, sure, but it's not going to be resolved that way. No, it won't. I'm a, I'm like 98% with you. I would say there could be somebody who could read this though and say, wow, this is a problem. I wonder what, like, what can I do in my, someone could be inspired at their local level to address that. And they otherwise would not be if they had not been made aware of it through yeah. social media channels. Yeah. The reality is, is not to have always, influence but... on an organization, you have to maintain access yeah. to that organization. And that's this good. is not maintaining access for him or, or others. And that's so a good, that's a good thought, Kurt. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, folks, I think we're going to wrap it up this week. I'm going to save Kurt uh, not talking about the tweet that discusses. Oh, come the, on. You don't want to get into do, this. We're do doing do you want my short perspective of this tweet? Oh, you actually want to get it? So there's a tweet that talks about basically like, okay, let me, uh, I was really going to skip this, Kurt. I was like, cool. Good show. Good show. 
This is a quote from Dan McClellan that says, Sometimes in the Mountain West, the Latter-day Saint social identity must compete for costly signaling directly with the right-wing authoritarian social identity. When it does, the latter wins out far more frequently than one might hope. And this is because he was retweeting a quote, a tweet that said, despite a government order, an email from our state president and urging from the first presidency, dozens of people showed up to church today without masks. I sometimes wonder what it will take for people to listen to leaders when they ask is difficult, unlike masks. Anyway. So do you, is there any huge ginormous assumption he's making in this that you can point out? Just a little bit, you know. Just, just a we we're we're painting in some broad strokes here across right, the board. Right. It's a great. I mean, this is again going back to social media, why it is so toxic to our culture. This is a great tweet, and it's going to get a lot of people riled up. But he's making the huge assumption that the only reason why people wouldn't wear masks is because they have a belief in a right wing authoritarian social identity. Well, I don't know if it's not the only reason why, but I think I, I what I do worry about, and I think this goes across all identities, not just the one side. I worry that as Latter-day Saints, we have slowly sort of seeded our church identity and our Latter-day Saint identity and given way to tribalism. And I think that's for a number of reasons. Part of it is social media. Um, part of it is cable news. Part of it, honestly, I truly think that since we've even eased up on like church in general, like now it's two-hour church. Now you're not supposed to have... Um, what used to be called firesides, whatever, bishops' youth discussions. You're supposed to have them in the afternoon now because we don't want to take away from the family. But I think all these, we don't do road shows, right? Like all these things we used to do, I think we've kind of eroded like the culture we have as saints because of all these things, as we've said, we're quote unquote focusing on the family. But I think that's left a vacuum. And I think other things have filled in that vacuum. I, I don't like, I don't know what the answer is. You don't tell Salt Lake, like bring back all the programming and all the busyness <laughs> and stuff, right? Yep, yep. But I worry about that because I don't think we're replacing it with, we're, we're always going to replace it with something and we're replacing it with identity politics uh, or identity issues more or less. And so in that sense, I think it's true. So I think you see in many instances, like among Latter, amongst Latter-day Saints, that what we've seen a lot of, and I guess I, you can use the mask or COVID stuff as an example, but many who are like, they don't care and these are more traditional, like I hate to say it this way, Kurt, but you know, more traditional Orthodox-like members traditionally like, right? But then this thing comes out that they don't like, and all of a sudden, no, 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 you're leaning on your your other identity for that instead of the church. And I'm not trying to say that if you had, um, if we still had three-hour church and all these obligations, that like the feelings wouldn't be there. And it's COVID is especially difficult because it's like, it's not like anti-vaxxing or anything like that it just came out because of COVID. It's been around for a long time, but um, it kind of feasts on that. But I, I really worry a lot about sort of how identity politics have taken over. And I don't think we're doing enough to fill in the void, to fill in that vacuum anymore as Latter-day Saints. We're all doing everything in the name of just ease off. It is home focused, church supported, and we are less involved now. And Okay, so now we're just spending more time on Twitter, which is not good. <laughs> right. I Absolutely. And I would say it's not so much a right-wing authoritarian social identity as it is just a, a human issue, right? I, on both sides of the the spectrum, this is happening before, after, during pandemics. And uh, But you, I think your point is much more valid that like, yes, there's a huge vacuum here and we have to be very conscious of this vacuum that's there and how and intentional as far as how we... Make sure that vacuum gets filled. I will say the one caveat I'll make here, though, that does make it a little too, too I hate to say sides, but some of the sides mm-hmm. a little bit distinct. For more liberal Latter-day Saints, there's kind of always been a little bit of that friction. I right. see a lot of the side. And everyone everyone picks and chooses stuff, right? Like we're right. all guilty of that. Yep. 
But I do think we're looking at this place where it's not necessarily majoritarian per se, but we're instead we've seen the more kind of like traditional subset within the church. And these are the ones now who are like reckoning with, will I listen to the first presidency or not? Mm-hmm. That's not entirely new, of course, in our history, but I think, I think a lot of that is something new. And then, then magnified by the social media age, yes, that makes it really hard to deal with, to, to deal with in that sense, which might be why people pick on, you know, the right wing authoritarian social identity or something like that, because that's sort of the new flavor that's been manifesting. Uh, during this process, like we've kind of we've expected what we've seen from more progressive members of the church, their actions are particularly new. And of course, you have progressive members of the church now, who are many who are like, "I'm all in, man." President President Nelson's like masking up in vaccine, yeah, man, obedience, right? And then it's like, good, 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 good. I'm fine, but uh, yeah, it's 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 tough stuff. And I know you did the whole podcast on kind of like some of these issues. Yeah, uh, the, that's at the root of this. Is that at the end of the day, we're, we're we pick and choose the, what value we are we're bringing to the surface and holding as the priority. And I, I do, I do. And this is, this is constructive criticism. Let's hear uh, it. I, I enjoyed that podcast. I think people should listen to it overall. Um, the one thing I didn't agree with though, was the premise. I liked it as a podcast uh-huh. about how to navigate conflict as a ward, broadly speaking. I think there's, uh-huh. if that's what it's framed as beautiful nuggets of information, a lot of worthwhile stuff to think about. But the one thing is, I worry about us even accepting the premises many of us have by default that disagreements about uh, public health issues are inherently political. I think Mm -hmm. they've been made political by different parties and we've accepted that. And so when we lead into discussions, assuming it is political and accepting that premise, I worry about that. And I think any of us would do that. But like, I I wish we could all back up and say like, a public health crisis is a different thing. It's because a lot of parties have decided it's about politics and identity politics, but no, it's a public health issue. That's all it needs to be. And it's just, it, it pains me because, yeah, we're in all this case now where it's it's become political. It's become science and pseudoscience and all this stuff. We, you know, all this, yeah. we could talk about it ad no, nauseum, right? You know, I appreciate that criticism, Jeff. I hadn't right thought about it that way. And you I think see, that was, yeah. So that, that's the main thing. Just, just that part of the premise. But overall, yeah. remove that from it. I mean, it's, it's a good episode. I think people should check it out. I know it's kind of a new feature you're toying with, right? Yeah. We're, we're playing around with it. Uh, See how it goes. So yeah. So, anyways, Kurt, I don't want you to feel shut down. I thought it was good. That was great. I'm being no. I'm I'm being clear, <laughs> folks. Download that episode. Good food for thought about how we navigate difficult issues and how we like get a rise above. Anyway, I didn't want to talk about this tweet, but you insisted on it, <laughs> and I think it was a good discussion. You wanted it so badly. You <laughs> needed it in your life. Um. So with that, everyone, we hope you have a great new year. Please go to thisweekinmormons.com. Um, also go to LDS living where you can see 18 photos of Elder Gong. That'll make you love him even more, which is the greatest series they've ever thought of photos of so-and-so that'll make you love them even more. Just love whoever came up with that. Go to this Follow us on social media where we try not to get too in the week, too, too mean and too radical, right? We try to be okay on there. Kurt's on there too. You can follow him on, uh, various social media platforms go to leading saints.org to get everything you need to know about LDS leadership in one place, in a place that is not church-approved. He wants to be clear about that. Or part of the church right. and, it, and I wouldn't claim it's the place to get all things about church leadership, but we have discussions, you know? Just like you don't give all news here, Jeff. We don't give all no, news. No, it was good times. So. Okay, Kurt, are you, <laughs> anything else you want to plug before we go, buddy? No, man, just uh, I, I always enjoy coming on here and uh, acting like I have a strong perspective on things. And uh, keep up the good work, Jeff. We'll see you in 2022. No, you keep up the good work. Oh, go on. You do more than I do. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to Twim. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Until then, take care. Be safe out there over the new year. 
and like, you know, don't get Omicron or whatever. That's my hope for all of us. For Kurt, I'm Jeff. Bye-bye.